Welcome back, everybody, to the Betting Pros College Football Show. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by Thor Nystrom at ThorKU on the Twitter. Thor, interesting week 10, but we look forward to week 11. I know I'm excited about the Longhorns matchup. There's a lot to be excited about uh, this week. It's going to be another fun one. Uh, but let's dive in and start on the Thursday and Friday games here. We've got uh, Louisiana minus three versus Georgia Southern. The total 61 and a half there. Memphis by six and a half hosting Tulsa 61 and a half. Again, the total in that game. So we'll start with Thursday. Then we'll go to Friday. Uh, and of course, we're going to have the cash games and the top five picks here as well, like we always do. But Thor, uh, what do you got for Thursday night for us here? Yeah, as, as far as the Thursday games, the the lean I would have, and I wouldn't have expected this to be my lean, but it's it's Louisiana in that game against Georgia Southern. I don't trust that Louisiana team ever since Napier left them, but they do match up really well here. And against a Georgia Southern team that has had some super fluky wins, but very specifically, it's Louisiana's pass defense, one of the best aspects of that team. I think they can address that crazy pass-happy offense of Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern throws the ball more than Mississippi State does, which is which is crazy. Clay Helton taking over that triple option team, but they throw the ball all the time. They have problems with the teams that are better at defending uh, the pass. That's what, what Louisiana is. So um, most times I'm not going to be back in Louisiana. I don't know if I have all season, but that would be the side that I would prefer in that one. The Tulsa-Memphis game, that one for me, it all comes down to, is Davis Brin going to play? Right, like Davis Brin missed his first career game last week. We don't exactly know what his status is right now, but if Brin doesn't play, it's super hard to back Tulsa here. Whereas in general, I have found it hard to back Ryan Silverfield at all um, during his tenure at Memphis. I think he's the worst coach in the FBS. I'm not looking to back Memphis like ever, but like in this one, if Brin's <laughs> not playing, it, it becomes harder to do that. Both of these teams want to throw the ball. Um, Tulsa's pass defense is is pretty good. Memphis's is awful. So, I mean, th that goes back to the same thing. If you have Bryn, you, you, Tulsa has that good receiving core. Keelan Stokes back. He's been a stud. The, the, their secondary receivers are really good as well. If Bryn is back, they should be able to move the ball at will on that crappy uh, Memphis secondary. But if he's not and you got to play the backup again, it becomes a much harder proposition for, for Tulsa. Yeah, uh, going to be an interesting Thursday, that's for sure. Uh, Friday, we've got Cincinnati by five and a half versus ECU. 52 and a half is the total in that game. Number eight, USC is a 34-point home favorite against Colorado. 66 is the total there. And Fresno State by nine and a half at UNLV. 60 and a half of the total there. 34 points is a lot of points. I don't know that USC is good enough to beat anyone by 34 points just because their defense, like you would describe many things, is a sieve. Colorado hasn't been good, but they've been looking better as the season goes on, and they've been putting up a couple points. So I kind of, I think maybe I like the over in that game more than anything. Uh, what do you like from Friday, Thor? Yeah, as far as that game goes, for me, it would on the side, it would be Colorado or nothing, which is, it's weird to say, you know, thinking about these two teams, but. You're totally right. Like we've seen over and over again from the seven, is it now eight with USF seven or eight teams that have fired their head coaches. And I suppose we wouldn't count USF in this yet, but like the week after and, and this, and the rest of the season, they have done demonstrably better against the spread at the window than they did beforehand. Colorado certainly uh, is, is a part of that. 
Colorado, I mean, what you're looking for with this team, like any of these teams that are in sort of this phylum, it's like, are they, are they still locked in? Are they still engaged? Do you still get effort? Is there any continuity with their game plan? With Colorado, there has been. They have gotten better effort since firing Durrell. Uh, I, I think their game plans, they've had more continuity with that stuff. They've been more intelligent, sort of designed. Um, and, and so you have that, you know, on, on that one side. With USC, here, here's the thing with USC. They're banged up to hell right now. They have been for several weeks now. I mean, like, you know, Jordan Addison is 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 one of the big ones. The, the linebacker, Gentry, uh, the, their leading tackler. But they have several more guys that have been – like Voorhees, uh, the, the All-American guard they have, he had been out before. Then he comes back last week. But then that game, they get him back. But then their left tackle's out. You know, like they have all these guys out. All, you know, Mario Williams as, as well. In this game, this lines up as the classic game where the heavily favored coach would take it as an opportunity to rest anyone that isn't 100%, right? Like, and if Lincoln Riley decides to do that, I think you take the points with Colorado here. You go the contrarian route because USC may have a, a super depreciated lineup in this game. This is one where you have to check the status as leading up. If USC is at full strength in this game, yeah, I mean, you can't take Colorado in that scenario. But if they're not, uh, Colorado, again, a team that has not quit yet, uh, I think that they can keep it within this enormously inflated number if USC has a whole bunch of, of inactives. This is one that I'm not betting now. I'm going to wait on this one until game day because people aren't betting on Colorado. So that line just keeps getting higher and higher. So, right. I mean, you're not losing any value on that. You might as well wait around. And then on Friday, see the reports that you're seeing about the actives and inactives on the USC side. And if you see that Lincoln Riley has inactivated, you know, 10 contributors, that's, I think, when you you drop the hammer on, on Colorado. And if not, you just stay away from it. The, um, the UNLV-Fresno State game, it's interesting, almost for the same reasons. You know, we, we talked a lot of, about a whole bunch of games that are informed by inactives, actives, the injury stuff. Fres like UNLV has been a team that, uh, you know, the past several weeks, they've had all these injuries. Uh, the quarterback Brumfield was out. They'd lost their running back Robbins for a bit. Uh, Kyle Williams, their, their top receiver. But it looks like UNLV is getting Brumfield back for this one. Uh, we'll see about the other kids. But they're going to be healthier for this game than they've been in several weeks. Everybody remembers they started the season well. Then UNLV dropped off. They're on a bit of a skid. Yeah. But that was in conjunction with all these injuries. So, I mean, if they can get back to full strength, you would think you'd get closer to sort of the September UNLV. And on the Fresno State side, that's a team that is now badly beat up with injuries. Before, it was it was mostly Hayner that we were talking about. Hayner's come back now, but they got injuries all over the place. Their left tackle is, is hurt. They have one in the secondary they have, they have several ones. Um, last week, I think it was uh, Braylon Lux, their, their starting cornerback. He was out as well. They lost a backup tight end to an injury uh, for the season as well. And they have a linebacker and a receiver that are out for the year. Jeff Tedford spent a lot of his press conference this week talking about, like, we're super duper uh, beat up by injuries. Mm -hmm. And so, like, it, it's already a storyline with them. He's already talking about it. Th this Fresno State team is not at 100% despite having Jake Hayner back. This one for me is the, the two angles, the two potential leans. For me, it would be uh, it would be UNLV or pass, and it would be the under or pass for, for some of these, these different reasons. I think Hayner, who he can't be 100%. I don't know what percent he is beneath that, but he's definitely not 100. His offensive line now is depreciated. 
So now, now, you know, he could be under a little bit more duress. We'll, we'll see how he sort of handles that. But um, for me, this is a bounce back spot for UNLV and, and a potential look on the under. All right, let's go over to the cash games here. And I'm just going to list them all off, Thor. Once again, they're on they're on our sheet. Uh, there's eight of them. There's a ton. So I'll go through them all and just tell me the ones that you have a good feeling on. And, you know, uh, we talked about this last week. I think the same thing has happened, right, where you're just getting people that have um, that are not betting anymore because uh, they have run out of money. So uh, which is means that a lot of. Um, just the sharps are betting early in the week. So, but the tickets and cash are big differences in these games, at least 25% from all of them that, that I have listed here, I believe. So Indiana plus 40 at Iowa state is getting 99% of cash in 70% of the tickets. Yukon plus 14 and a half at Liberty is getting 99% of the cash, 74% of the tickets. Um, Navy versus Notre Dame, a little less than what I said before, but it's still 95 to 74 in Navy plus 15 and a half SMU uh, minus 17 and a half. One of the few uh, that uh, were laying the points for uh, at USF, 98% of the cash, uh, 67% of the tickets. You did mention Jeff Scott, which is fired from USF Georgia state by 13 and a half versus Louisiana Monroe, 97%, 60%. Nebraska plus 30 and a half at Michigan, 99% of the cash, 37% of the tickets. So biggest difference of all right there. A UCLA minus 19 and a half against Arizona, 99% of the cash, 72% of the ticket. And then San Jose State by two and a half at San Diego State, 98% cash, 62% ticket. So, uh, I mean, we got a couple enormous spreads in here. A lot that are 15 or more points are hovering right around there. Uh, so your thoughts on any of these uh, eight games here, Thor? Yeah, the um, the one that's uh, surprising a little bit. Oh, I mean, a couple of them, they sort of conform to what your opinion would be. And, and a couple of them, I, I suppose, are surprising. The the So the SMU uh, uh, South Florida one, that's uh, the money's going on SMU, but the tickets are more even is that is that what it is yes mm -hmm. yeah so that one uh is is not as surprising to me because you're 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 wondering who would bet who would possibly in their right mind bet on south florida at this point after they they've just gotten flogged every time recently and and smu we just saw them pin 77 on someone um this guy who's got two thumbs and pointing at this guy i <laughs> i i, I I, I I will have tickets on on south florida and they they might end up in my column uh, reason why is the dead cap bounce, which has been so profitable to us this year and going back uh, multiple years, uh, it's it's statistically significant that the week after you fire your head coach this year, it's five and two against the spread. Teams that I believe were something like I don't know the numbers right in front of me, but it was they, they were like six and twenty two or six and twenty something against the spread previously. Then they fired their head coach and then five and two afterwards with multiple uh upsets of 14 and a half points or more um and then last week we almost got one that, that it wouldn't have quite qualified because i think auburn was was plus 13 but they gave mississippi state everything that they could handle um ended up losing in overtime but it was another another of those five covers um for for those reasons and also because smu they're a little bit beat up and they're a little bit thin you didn't see it last week when they were hanging 77 on houston 
you don't get two offensive performances like that in a row, even though South Florida, their defense is an abomination, which anyone that watched the, the Temple game last week could tell you. And I watched that entire game because I had tickets on <laughs> Temple and I had two of their guys in my my 50-team fantasy football lineup in the playoffs. So I, I was watching that game. Man, USF was giving up everything. But you would expect this to be the best performance that South Florida has all season. And again, I, I think you can catch uh, SMU here on, on a bit of a letdown spot. Um, sort of surprising that the money's coming in on Navy, but at least the sports books are respecting it and uh, adjusting for it. You would, you would have thought that the, the money would be coming in on Notre Dame after that, uh, you know, the, their enormous win and their, their convincing win and their dominate the entire game win against Clemson last week. I think Navy matches up exceedingly well in that game. That, that was one that I was talking about, you know, going back to, to Sunday and Monday. Um, Navy just matches up so well because obviously the triple option offense, they can tee off on what, what is Notre Dame's defensive weakness. They're, they're, you know, up front, the front seven, they're Notre Dame's run defense is not very good. The thing about Notre Dame's defense that is good. It's the pass defense, which those guys can take an afternoon off. They will, they are not needed. They're not going to come into play here. It's just going to be Navy paper cutting this bad Notre Dame defense all day. And then on, on the other side, Navy's pass defense is horrific. It's one of the worst in the FBS. They particularly struggle with athleticism on the outside because they don't have any of it. Um, but their run defense is very good. So it's, it's one of those defenses where you have the decided strength, objective strength, and then, you know, this, this, this Achilles heel. Well, in, in, in this game, like what Notre Dame has been doing, you know, I mean, I mean like since they've, they've, they sort of figured out how to play with Drew Pine and since he took over, they've just been going to trying to hammer you between the tackles. And then you do some of the stuff outside. It's, it, it's sort of this, this downhill uh, type deal. Just, you know, we're, we're just going to attack your, your front seven. Well, that's what Navy defends. Well, the thing that Navy can't defend, it's the outside stuff. Notre Dame they They don't have any skill on the outside and they have a noodle arm quarterback. The, the one guy that scares you in their passing game, it's Michael Mayer, but he's a middle-of-the-field intermediate guy. He's going to have a big game for sure, but like, it, it's not like Navy matched up worse against him. What, what, what they really fear, it, it's the athleticism on the outside. Notre Dame has a dearth of it, and they don't have a quarterback who get, get the ball there even, even if they, they did. So Navy matched up really well in that game. I'm, I'm taking the points of Navy. I got a Navy plus 17 ticket. Not surprising to me that that, that thing has dropped down. So some of these other ones are interesting. Like the, the public is, is really getting behind Indiana as an enormous underdog and, and UConn against Liberty after Liberty just beat Arkansas with their third string quarterback. That's, that's a bit surprising to me. Um, I, I don't have any plays on, on those games, but it's, it's sort of uh, interesting, I guess. I gotta think them. That's like one big bet on some of those games. You know what I mean? Like uh, the like one huge bet on UConn is why all the cash is there. You know what I mean? I I I think that's probably more likely. But I wouldn't want to touch that one. Honestly, like there's no way I'm not taking Indiana at all. I don't really care what the points are because Ohio State team. Ohio State needs a big win too, after barely beating Northwestern or, you know, going toe to toe. I know there was weather and it shouldn't be that concerning And Ohio state season ultimately comes down to, uh, you know, beating Michigan, of course, but, uh, I don't know, man, I just, I do not like Indiana at all. Um, and, uh, they have won me some money this year by betting against them. So, uh, not something I would take, uh, the totals here, Thor, we got five of those, 
uh, in terms of the cash. NC State versus uh, Boston College over 41 is 99% cash, only 57% of the tickets, though. Texas Tech versus uh, Kansas over 64, 99% cash, 63% of tickets. Syracuse versus Florida State over 51, 97, 67. MSU versus Rutgers over 40 and a half, 96 to 54. And WKU versus Rice over 61. 98% of cash, 62% of tickets. So uh, any of those five that you have a big lean in? Yeah, I, I did on the um, over of uh, Boston College and North Carolina State. It, it, it's one that I got uh, marked down on my sheet. I I, I I do lean towards the over of that one. Um, the Let's see, it's Bogman. You say it was 41 and a half live. That, that was the last one I saw. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so my system's total on that game is 45 and a half, but I also think, and I wasn't expecting to, to come up with this, like in my handicap, but like, I, I also think the on-field uh, matchups sort of point to it as well. NC state has had some problems with passing explosion this year. Um, also rushing explosion. Like they, they, they tend to give up some long plays. They're way better at efficient, like keeping you off of schedule, but this Boston college offense they couldn't stay on schedule if they had a daily planner and a daily assistant with them at all times. The only thing they can do is fish for long plays. That's how they score their points. Zay Flowers is the specific one. Uh, the, the deep shots to him, the speedster on the outside. But they've also gotten some long runs as well. Um, again, the efficiency on both of those metrics is not there. But yeah. yeah, but like NC State facilitates some of those explosive plays. So I actually think Boston College is going to score a little bit more here than you know, conventional wisdom would dictate against this NC State defense. And then NC State with uh, the MJ Morris kid, he is certainly way better than Chambers, you know, the the noodle arm veteran that they had brought in initially after uh, Devin Leary's knocked out for the season. But uh, MJ Morris is, has really flashed. Um, and so, like, I mean, that that kid can do some stuff. You knew that, you, that he had a higher ceiling, uh, certainly, than Chambers. But, like, you were wondering about the variance. But so far, um, he's, I mean, it's a very small sample, but he's, he's acquitting himself decently well in comparison to what Leary did, uh, earlier this season. We'll have to see like, as that sample size gets bigger, but I trust this NC state offense a lot more with him certainly than I did with chambers. And even at the, the end with Leary. Um, so I, the, the over on that one is, is what I would lean. The, the other ones I, I don't have as much of a lean on, but that's one that I, I do kind of like. All right, well, let's go to the top five big games of the week. And uh, we're just going to start out hot, uh, you know, mainly because TCU is number four, but also because my Longhorns are hosting this game. That's the real reason, Bogman. They're also favored. (laughs) Uh, It's number 18, Texas in Austin by seven points versus number four, TCU. 64 and a half is the total here. So, Thor, fill us in. How how you uh, think this one's going to play out? I, I'm curious to hear your handicap after I'm done talking, but my, my initial, you know, when, when you initially saw the seven point line and you know, that the TCU has, I mean, they've been covering like ban- winning, of course, every game, but like also covering like Banshees, your, your initial lean was, was TCU. But like when, when I run my numbers early in the week, those are a baseline and they get modified by market data as we go along it seemed like the books by I mean, just by definition of where they dropped this line, they were anticipating sharp money on Texas and they got it uh, this week. And, and now that, that sharp money, how the market data helped to modify my line, which is now Texas minus 7.4. I, 
Um, I, I do think TCU, some of the their explosive plays are going to be there for sure against the Texas defense. The the TCU offense, though, it it's fallen into bouts of inefficiency, even against mediocre defenses this year. That's what concerns you here, because I do think the Texas are going to be able to keep them off schedule. So you're, you're wondering, like, I mean, basically, I, I hate to do a baseball metaphor because I don't know how many of our audience <laughs> is going to know this one. But, like, is TCU basically going to turn into Dave Kingman in this game where, where you have so many of the three and out whiffs, but they're going to be swinging from the heels every time and they run into one, you know, every every four possession, five possession, you know, whatever. Um, I, like I said, I, I do think those explosive plays will be there, but it's like there. I feel like there's going to be a lot of swing and miss on the TCU side as well. And for Texas, this is this is the spot where you put everything into, right? Like you're now, I mean, you know, last year and, and you know, before that TCU, obviously not as respected, but now this is a team that by definition of, of the playoff rankings that just came out is projected to be in the playoff. This would be an enormous win for Texas, even as a seven point favorite. I, I think you're going to get the effort on the Texas side uh, with some of that different information coming in from the market. It, it, it took it from a lean from TCU for me too. I'm not touching this thing, but Bogman, I, I mean, you, you're the guy that doesn't miss a Texas snap. I would love to hear how you're, you see this game. I mean, look, I, both teams are going to score, which is, uh, you know, just, we know that, uh, cause Texas offense is uh, unbelievable, especially when yours is right. And, uh, and on schedule as you would say, Thor, but, uh, you know, they also love to give up leads. It's one of their favorite things. So, uh, it is so annoying to watch. It's incredibly frustrating, right? They, they were, uh, able to hold off and win last week, but, uh, I don't know, man, they have to have a pretty sizable lead. I think going into the fourth quarter, like somewhere between 14 and 17 to, uh, be able to sustain this. And, um, it's something that is a problem and the problems are getting more narrow and more focused for Texas, which is nice because, you know, over the last couple of years, it's been tackling has been the biggest one and then offensive line play and just, uh, you know, the quarterback play has been an issue uh, since Sam left. So, um, you know, uh, getting getting the defense to stand up with a lead is the big thing. And, um, you know, even even in a close game when they're not giving up a lot of points, you know, they blew it against Bama, too. So um, that's the big thing to me is, uh, you know, Texas coming out. And putting points on the board, which I think they will do against anybody, including TCU, and being able to not give up those big plays when it counts, you know, uh, down, um, you know, late. And when you have a lead, you got to be able to sit on it. Um, so let's keep the defense on the sideline for most of the first half so they're gassed up in the second half. So I want Texas to win uh, by holding the ball here, really. So, uh, which means a lot of runs from Bijan, which could mean a lot of scoring for Texas. Cause when you focus and give that guy the ball, uh, uh, good things happen. So uh, let, let's keep Bijan running here. The next game, uh, number six, Oregon, a 13 and a half point home favorites hosting number 25, Washington, 72 and a half is a total in this one. And it's not the highest we're going to talk about in these top five games either. So, uh, Thor, uh, what do you think about this Pac-12 matchup between Oregon and Washington? I, I, I think that total is justified being as high as it is. It is. And, yeah. And and for me, this one, it's it's take the dog or pass. I, I think Washington matches up decently well here. And the reason why is because 
they, I mean, they're they become one of the more pass happy teams in the P5 with with DeBoer taking over and Oregon's pass defense stinks. They have one good cornerback. Oregon does that. I think we're gonna be talking a lot about more during NFL draft time. But like outside of that, there's going back to our word today, Siv, a little bit. Like <laughs> you can both get the completions on them and nick them with the short and intermediate stuff. You can also beat them over the top. Um Penix is is a solid quarterback, and DeBoer is such a great play caller. I, I think they're going to be able to scheme away from the the very isolated strength of the Oregon pass defense and move the ball here. And the other thing is, like, either that bad Oregon pass defense facilitates a closer game than the market is expecting, or it decidedly opens up the possibility of a backdoor cover. It, it, if I was holding an Oregon minus you know thirteen and a half or minus fourteen ticket in this game, even up. 21 24 in the fourth quarter oh i'd be sweating bullets i for for, for me this game is washington or pass okay that that makes sense uh because these are the fun games to watch but you don't have to bet on all of them uh number nine alabama 11 and a half point road favorites at number 11 ole miss 64 and a half is the total here didn't think this one would be kind of mid-tier among the big games at this point in the year thor but uh, looks like we're going to get a Clemson and Bama-less uh, playoff this season. Uh, I mean, never count them out, but that's what it looks like right now. So how do you see this SEC matchup going? Definitely not disappointed that we're getting some new blood in there, by the way. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, it's it's good times. Uh, for th- this one, for me, it's, it's all miss or pass. Um, Bama is in a classic deflate spot after they uh, took their second loss last week. Like, they're – I mean, everything that they were playing for in the preseason, it's gone now. It's it, it, it's over there. I mean, people are just saying it as their season's over. It's not. But, like, for what they play for, it certainly is. Are you going to get one of your best efforts of the season in that spot? I don't think so. Particularly when Bama's been bad on the road since the start of last season for reasons that none of us can really suss out. But it just is what it is. And it continues to happen. And not only that, this is a back-to-back travel spot. I feel like this is a really, really bad situational spot for Alabama. Um, Ole Miss has an awesome run game, which you know. They've leaned into it more heavily and more heavily and more heavily. The less that Lane has trusted Jackson Dart. But, I mean, like, you have both Junkins, you have Evans. I mean, they even – Bentley. We thought Bentley was actually going to do stuff this year. But, like, the other, Judkins, other kids are – All Junkins, yeah. Junkins is so good. Junkins is, like, yeah. I mean, we're going to be talking about that kid quite a bit during his NFL draft thing. Ooh, I don't think sure. a lot of people around the country realize – that that kid is a stud, capital S, capital T, capital U, capital D. That kid is real, real good. Um, and then you put him with Evans, it, it, it almost becomes unfair, their, their rushing game. And and Mississippi is, is running at one of the higher rates of any non-option team, certainly in the, in the power five. That running game gets to tee off in this game against what is a down Alabama front seven. You can get Alabama on the ground. And Lane Kiffin is going to attempt to do that as many times as he possibly can. Because as you know, every time they run the ball, they sprint back up to the line. It's another quick handoff, or you know, maybe they try play action once every every now and again. But they want to get you on your heels. Alabama, their starting lineup's a little bit down, so is their depth. Uh, this just does not feel like a great matchup for Alabama. And as always, um, even though this shouldn't be the case anymore this season, based on what Alabama is now, you have to pay a tax on Alabama. If, if you want to bet on them, which means yeah. by definition that you are getting extra credit or extra, you're getting a bonus or an incentive every time that you want to go against them. 
in this game, I'm, we'll just go objectively by my numbers, my in a vacuum numbers. So my my number on that game is Alabama minus seven point eight. Like that's a re- like seven Alabama by seven and a half is probably what this line should be. Maybe eight, but it should be somewhere in there. Uh, but instead, because their name is Alabama, it is Alabama minus twelve or whatever. Those are just free points on the line for you in a game where the home dog already matches up pretty well. Give me the Rebs, and I think they put a real scare into Bama here, and it, w- it would not surprise me if they hand Alabama their third loss this season. Yeah, and that would, I mean, you put a fork in them at that point because they're absolutely done. Uh, so, and and like you said, it's, you know, sometimes it's hard for these guys to get up a- after they know uh, that most likely their season's over. So, and, and and Bogman, who you knows blink the in the SEC, you're going to get dropped. That's who knows, just what it who is. knows the tendencies to save it more than Lane Kiffin? Right. Lane, Lane Kiffin has become, I, I would put him just well, coaching aside, I would put him up with the top 20 comedians living on earth today. He is one of the funniest people that we have alive. His tweet this week where he had the, uh, it was the, uh, it was a screen or it was a, a picture he took where he had the, his like play calls for Alabama. And and then it was overlaid with, with the book of Nick Saban and his, his leadership advice to people it was one of the funniest things that I'd seen on Twitter uh, this past month. Lane Kiffin just continuously slays me. Another one he had this week where, it was these lions laying down in front of in front of a road in the Sahara where, where like these trucks were trying to get by. And Lane Kiffin says, this reminds me of when uh, opposing defenders lay down against us, you know, basically to stop the tempo. I, the, the, guy's, the, the guy's funny as hell. But also in, in this game, again, he knows Nick Saban's tendencies about as well as anybody. Sure. It's, it's, it's something that at least you have to consider a little bit as well. I, I think there are a lot of signs pointing to Ole Miss being the correct side here. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, it does look like uh, Ole Miss is the correct side there. I don't think I'll be betting that game. Uh, how about a G5 top five matchup here? There were number 17 Tulane, one and a half point favorite hosting UCF, who's number 22, 54 and a half is the total there. Uh, how are you feeling about this game? This is this was a weird handicap um, where I was going back and forth, back and forth on it. It's, you know, the line is right around pick on my line almost literally is a pick on I have uh UCF minus 0.1 point. So it's basically a pick them. Um it, it's tough for me because there are certain things that, that Tulane can do that is going to give UCF problems. For instance, I, I I think they can hinder UCF's ability to at will get the five and six yard runs. Tulane has a very, very good defense this year. You know, I mean that, that it's a big part of the reason why they jumped up this year. Very stingy defense. Um, and you can keep UCF off schedule. You can take down the whole the whole circus tent because then John Reese Plumley has to throw on third and long, and 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 problems arise out of that. Um, but UCF also can do some things that I think will affect Tulane as well. Um, it's a game that's right around a pick'em that I feel should be right around a pick'em. So for 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 that game, it's I, I got to stay away. And on the total, my my adjusted total is within two points of the Vegas total as well. I think that thing comes down to ancillary contextual things during the game that we can't predict in advance either. So <laughs> that's a it, watcher and not a better. It's, it's a right? watch. It, it's going to be a super fun game. I, I was hoping to have a side on that one, but I just came out of the handicap and it's like, man, I, I, I just can't find any value here. I'm rooting around for it, rooting around for it, but I just couldn't find any. 
the last one, an ACC matchup. Like I said, the 72 and a half was not the biggest over that we have on this list this week. Uh, Wake Forest, a three and a half point home favorite hosting number 15, UNC 77. And that dropped by half a point, by the way, oh. uh, since, since I started this. I believe it was 77 and a half yesterday. But 77 is the total in this game, Thor. Uh, I mean, I don't think I would touch 77 with a 10 foot pole, but watching UNC's defense, it makes me think maybe I would take it. So uh, <laughs> how do you see this game going? Yeah. My system's total on that game, 79 and a half. And like, I definitely could not bet the under I'll, I'll put it that way. I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that I'll be holding a ticket on the over, but I definitely could not go under uh, uh, UNC's defense. Like you mentioned, they will give any way that you want to derive offense. UNC's defense is happy to give it to you. So, I mean, like wait for us, their offense should have a, a pretty good performance here. And the wake so on the wake force defensive side, they're okay at holding up against the run, like no great shakes, but like at least okay uh, against the pass. They stink. Drake may is going to go off in this game. Um, and so like, like I sort of expect UNC to score at will, but I also expect UNC to, to, to give up points at will as well to the Sam Hartman led attack on the other side. So, I mean, like for me, I, I, I couldn't look at the under, I do slightly lean UNC in the handicap. Um, but it's hard for me to say because like, I haven't trusted that team a lot this year. Um, but like, you know, getting the three and a half with them against this super shoddy wake for a secondary and pass defense. That's, that's probably where I'd lean on the side. My, my adjusted line in the game is, is wake Forest minus 2.7, but, um, I, I can't bet wake Forest and I cannot bet the under the other two are leans. <laughs> Yeah, I understand that. So. And a prop game, a fun prop game there, because this oh for are gonna sure, be, it's going to be yeah. box stats. What is know? Drake May's passing prop going to be? Five hundred yards? I mean, it's going to be. They a lot, could not. So. They could not set that uh, high enough, in, in my <laughs> opinion. I, I'll be fascinated to see where they drop it, and I'll I'll be there because I'll be hitting refresh and popping a bet in real quick. Absolutely. Um, uh, let's go to your pick store at the end here. So I leave this up to you. Anything that uh, you got a nice lean on and you, and you want to give us here that, you know, uh, is either in your article or a different one. Sure. Yeah. I mean, let's um, let's go with uh, we'll go with one power five game and one G five game. How about that? All right. I, I, do, I do not believe that we have talked about Iowa State and Oklahoma State. Um, this is an easy Iowa State bet for me. Um, you were talking about sticking the fork in a in in Alabama before. the The fork coming out of Oklahoma State's back at this point, it's in the Guinness Book of World Records. You can <laughs> see you can see the fork coming out of their back from space. Uh, o- Oklahoma State not only, I mean, Spencer Sanders, of course, it it looks like he's not going to play again, which he didn't last week, even though they were sort of insinuating that he could. Um, you're starting to hear reports now that Spencer Sanders is out for the season. That has not been confirmed, and it will not be confirmed because Mike Gundy is not going to tell us any of that stuff. But uh, let's just say I would be very surprised if Spencer Sanders is out there. I, I you know, in, in instances like this, I like to uh, tune into the coaches' press conferences and 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 start to play a little bit of pop psychologist and parsing through the you know the lines of of what you're seeing with the quotes. Mike Gundy this week was way more than in the past speaking very specifically about his backup quarterbacks, about his plan with the backup quarterbacks. He was fielding questions on if Spencer Sanders was going to come back next year. The way it was, he was sort of addressing it. Again, you have to read between the lines because he ain't going to tell you. Um, But it was sort of like a wake for Spencer Sanders. Uh, (laughs) Again, I would be very surprised if Spencer Sanders was out there. So, so you have that, you know, and then you're going to go to the Rungle kid or whatever his name is. And then maybe Gundy's son, 
uh, was it Gunner Gundy or whatever? Yeah, the we're, one that was shaking in the gif. Yeah, poor yeah. kid. We, we were supposed to see that kid last week, and then Gundy just started the other kid unexpectedly. We'll see how that goes over at Thanksgiving dinner, but not not good times for them. But beyond that, Oklahoma State, they're, I mean, it's not just the quarterback thing. They, they have injuries all over the roster. We were talking about this a little bit last week, but, like, there's, like, four or five different position groups that are severely compromised on the Oklahoma State side, including their offensive line, certainly uh, wide receiver, and then the, in the secondary as well. You have that stuff, and then, you know, you've taken these multiple losses now, both of them in blowout fashion. I mean, they, they play Kansas State and then they play Kansas. Let's see if I had the, the combined. I, I can't find it quick enough to. to but anyway, uh, they, they've gotten their butts kicked in in consecutive weeks. It, it wasn't just the, the, you know, a depreciated roster. Uh, as you know, you know, being a Kansas fan, I watched every snap mm-hmm. of, of last week's game. It, it it was also like there didn't seem to be much of a cohesive plan on the Oklahoma State side. Like the first two drives, they come out. And this third-string quarterback we've never heard of before, who wasn't even supposed to start if, if if Spencer Sanders was out, that was supposed to be Mike Gundy's kid. Mike Gundy bypasses his own kid to go with this other kid that we don't know, and he throws an interception on their first two drives. It's like Holgerson too. I mean, Holgerson did that a couple of years back too. It's like, I mean, yeah, well, it's like what are we what are we doing here? And then, like I said, the, the whole plan was just all wonky. They, and then and then they, I mean, Oklahoma State's defense turned Devin Neal into the second coming of the Kansas comic, Gale Sayers. I mean, he, he had like 300, Devin Neal had like 350 total yards from scrimmage. They couldn't tackle the kid. I mean, you know, so it, like, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not just attrition on the roster. It's right. also, it seems like the coach, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Gundy, but it doesn't seem like your coaching staff is quite as engaged as maybe it should be when you're a little bit outgunned because of uh, circumstantial things, not only that, and maybe, uh, uh, you know, maybe this goes in conjunction with that. The team didn't appear to be given great effort either. Like you you think about if you're like a young kid, you're like a, a a redshirt sophomore, you know, or or a redshirt freshman, whatever. And it's like, Oh, you know, the kid ahead of me is, is injured. You know, you you think you come on and you play with your hair on fire. I wasn't really seeing that either. This seems like an Oklahoma state team that wants the regular season to be over and maybe I should take the word regular out of that sentence. They, <laughs> ju- they just seem like they want to be done. Meanwhile, with Iowa State, it's basically the opposite. Now, this game isn't a names, but everything else uh, situationally, circumstantially is pointing at Iowa State, including the fact where um, they come into this game four, uh, four and five, Iowa State does. Iowa State needs to win two of their final three games to go bowling. Matt Campbell has made a habit of going bowling almost dang near every year that he's that he's been in Ames. The Iowa State next week has Texas Tech. Week after they have TCU, they certainly cannot bank on beating TCU at least. To me, this is a must-win game for Iowa State to make a bowl game. Oklahoma State, fortunately for them, they already locked up the bowl berth before all this crap happened. They do have their six wins. Uh, Iowa State has all the motivation in this game and where they're playing this, this sort of lame duck opponent. I, I expect Iowa State to pretty easily handle Oklahoma state in, in that spot. And then I promise you a, a, a G five game Bogman. Um, there's actually a couple for me to choose from here. I'll just toss both of them at you. How about that? They, okay. They, All right. I like they, it. And, and, and since we're going along with the quarterback status thing, we'll, we'll just continue sure. along the same lines. seems like friggin' every game that you handicap, there's, there's questions with that. I mean, yeah, but like today we learned that uh, uh, Grayson McCall is going to miss the next three to six. Ba- basically, Grayson McCall is out for the rest of the regular season, oh, man. and they Again? are 
they're crossing their fingers and, and praying to the gods that they get them back for the ball season, I, I think is what it is. But in my handicap, even before McCall was out, I was leaning the Southern Miss side. Um, but like I, I'd gotten burned by, by Southern Miss last week. So I was like, yeah, do you want to, you know, do, do, you know <laughs> should, we, should we take it? Going to go to the well again? Yeah. But then the second I heard the confirmed news on, on McCall, we smashed that one real quick. I got, I got Southern Miss plus six. Um, I, I believe it's, it, well, it was down at least to five and a half before we started recording. I, I don't know if it's come down any more than that. In my opinion, it should. That, that line should be lower than that. In fact, I think you can make an argument, even on the road, that Southern Miss should be favored in this game without Grayson McCall. Grayson McCall is worth more points on the spread than dang near any player in the NCAA. I put sure. him in the top 10, probably the top five, yeah, just yeah. in terms of how much you discount the player. I was showing line value on Southern Miss when McCall was playing. Now, now my line was higher, of course, and, and that one was too. I, you know, it was 11 and a half, I believe, before. The market only downgraded Coastal by, was it, uh, is that, I, I'm not as good with the well, five, five, five and a half points <laughs> or whatever. Um, that's not enough. Uh, Grayson McCall is worth dang near 10, uh, you know, on the spread. And that's not even uh, accounting for the fact that I thought there was line value on them before. And not only that, like contextually, circumstantially, Coastal Carolina has been one of the luckiest teams in the entire nation this year in terms of second order wins. And, and and just the eye test, but like the second order wins thing, just lay it out, you know, where uh, Coastal Carolina is, is they've won eight games, eight and one, right? And the second order wins, they only have 6.0, six flat. So essentially they have benefited from two extra wins just from, from luck and circumstance. And you can just, uh, uh, luck and circumstance, you could just call that Grayson McCall and a little bit of Jamie Chadwell. It's those two that are overcoming these bad circumstances that, the rest of the roster puts the team into situationally game in game out coming into this season. Coastal Carolina had one of the least experienced rosters in the entire nation. They only had three offensive starters returning. McCall is one of them. That's the one that mattered. Uh, I think they only had five on defense. So, so they were like in the one twenties in terms of like returning experience or whatever. Grayson McCall plus Chadwell. Chadwell is an awesome coach who absolutely should be a P five head coach next year. And I, I expected him to be, those two guys are overcoming these, you know, they're keeping it close, not only, but also, you know, stealing some wins at the end. Now, not only do you have the attrition thing of just objectively, before you talk about anything else, you're subtracting somewhere between, depending on who you talk to, eight to 12 points off the, off the line because of the McCall loss. You also need to subtract that circumstantial luck as well, because this is not an eight win team, even with McCall. Qualitatively, they're a six win team right? That stuff's going away without McCall in there. So, I mean, this is an enormous downgrade the other way. Not only that, like I said before, it's, it was sort of talking about, I, I think Southern Miss match up decently well anyway in this game, and now they, they match up much better. Southern Miss takes away your run game because their defensive front is really good, their linebacking core is really good, and they create a ton of havoc. Their pass rush is really good as well. So they are going to be in the backfield the entire game. I think they're going to shut off the, the faucet of Coastal Carolina's running game. That's going to force Bryce Carpenter, Coastal Carolina's backup. And I will say for Bryce Carpenter, at least he's experienced, right? Like, it's not like, yeah. you know, it's not like... Uh, the, he's filled the, in for McCall before, right? It's so. not like that crap Asoli guy we were talking about from NIU, the, the, <laughs> four, the four string or whatever. So, I mean, like, Carpenter has been in, but, like, I mean... It, Carpenter's a paint by numbers veteran backup. Right. He's he's gonna just try to keep them in between the lanes. 
He's not going to be doing anything outside of that. He's not but, winning the game for you. Exactly. That's what McCall But the does, stuff that right? McCall was doing outside of that, that's how Colts yeah. of Carolina was winning some of these games. Yeah. So that goes away. Now they play different. And again, if Southern Miss takes away Coastal Carolina's running game, like I expect them to, this triple option uh, team that runs more, I think, than people think, they take that away. Now, all of a sudden, it's Bryce Carpenter sitting back there in the pocket behind not a very good offensive line and one of the G5's best pass rushes. That's advantage Southern Miss. I think Southern Miss should be favored in this game with Grayson McCall yeah. not playing. I expect Southern Miss to win. I won't I won't consider it an upset. The one other one I just wanted to say really quick with, with, with the quarterback thing. I'm taking – I'm laying the points with UAB against North Texas in this game. Uh, okay. Yesterday, on Tuesday – um, the UAB, the, their new head coach, Brian Vincent, he came out and said that that Hopkins, the um, the quarterback for UAB that had been out for, at this point, like, you know, a game and most of the other game before that, or no, I'm, I'm sorry, two plus games, because he got knocked out against WKU uh, three weeks ago. And then uh, UAB had lost that game against WKU, basically only because Hopkins went out, like they just couldn't move the ball with Zeno the rest of the game. Right. Then UAB had lost their next two games. With Zeno start, Zeno is not a very good quarterback. Right. Yeah. Um, now they're getting Hopkins back. That's that is scary for North Texas here because UAB is super duper viable with Hopkins. They have they have the really strong defense. They have the really good run game as well. UAB going back to the year before they got the the thing canceled, they have never finished with the, their program. That was like in 20, 2017, 2015, 2016, somewhere in there. They they have not had a losing season since then. They they won six games that year before they got canceled. Then they were off for a couple of years. And every year since then, they've won eight or more. Right now, they're sitting at, I believe, four and five, um, just because they've lost these three consecutive games without Hopkins. Now Hopkins is back. By the way, in that WKU game where they couldn't move the ball without him, uh, he had two completions for like 70 yards before he went out. And then all of a sudden, now they, they couldn't move the ball. It's a totally different team with Hopkins in there. He will be in there in, in this game. And UAB matches up very well when you know that that he's there. First of all, UAB, the running game, can tee off on this undersized, not very active front seven in North Texas. And then on the other side, the, the best thing about UAB is their pass defense. Austin Oon, the North Texas quarterback, he's put up some really good counting stats this year. You look into his PFF, like the big-time throws against the, the turnover-worthy throws, he has a 21 to 16 ratio in those, whereas he, whereas he has a 28 to 11 TDI and T ratio, just in the counting stats. Austin Oon hasn't played any pass defenses whatsoever. Nortex has only played. Three he's also games. our age, right? Like he's, uh, he's the oldest starting quarterback in the NCAA. Isn't he 31? He is super old. Yes. And, and so they play these three defenses in the top hundred, but SP plus defense, all three of those defenses are way better against the run than the pass. I, I haven't gone through the numbers enough to say this definitively. So I, I'm going to couch it a little bit. I believe that Austin Noon has played the worst procession of pass defenses this season of any quarterback in the nation. I, I might be off by one or two because I, I sure. haven't crunched the data on all of them. The procession of awful pass defenses North Texas has faced is incredible. They they want to spread you out. They they want to throw with Oon and then and then run a little bit as well. UAB is is not only going to take away their passing game, they're going to turn Austin Noon over multiple times in this game. Um, I'm taking the over on any Austin Noon interception thing. Um, and then the, the running game of, of North Texas, you're like, oh, maybe they can turn back to that. UAB also has a solid uh, run defense, but North Texas, their top two running backs, Oscar Attaway and Isaiah Johnson, they were out for the last game. We don't know if they're going to play in this one. I love UAB if you only have to lay six points in this game against North Texas. All right. Easy peasy. Thank you so much, Thor. At Thor KU 
on the Twitter machine. And Thor, just give us a quick rundown of what, what's coming up for the rest of the week again. Yeah, definitely check out my my best bets column that comes out on, on Thursday mornings on betting pros, go through the top 10 uh, games of the week. And then uh, definitely check out my live show with Mike Farrell uh, starting at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern. I, I, I'm, <laughs> you know how bad I am at the times I was bogging, but uh, 10 a.m. Eastern to 11.30 Eastern. It runs for 90 minutes. We go through as many games we can, handicap the sides, totals, props, and everything like that, and take audience questions. It's live on YouTube on the Betting Pros channel. I tweet out the link, and Betting Pros tweets out the link, but if you just go onto the Betting Pros page on Saturday morning at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern, you'll be able to see that. So definitely check that out. Come in and ask a question. We will answer it. And it doesn't matter how crazy off the board it is. Find, <laughs> us, find us the weirdest, most, you know, prop out there that no one would give you an answer on. I promise you we will answer you and, 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 and give you a good opinion on it. I got to wake up early and uh, and get in on that and just throw a weird one at you. Please uh, do. One of these weeks. Please so, do. Uh, and anyone out there, please do. Challenge. Yeah, please. yeah. It's fun, man. Please. Uh, c- come on and talk with the guys. And the same thing for us. We do a Discord right before we record this show on Wednesdays at 5 Eastern. So uh, if you guys want to come on there, it's a Discord, uh, Betting Pros Discord. It is free to join. So please check that out and ask us a question. We'd love to interact with you guys. So um, that is going to wrap it up for us. You can follow me at Bogman Sports, of course, on CFB Winning Edge with my guys Nick and Xavier. That came out a little bit earlier in the week, and I'll be having my article come out. Uh, same day as Thor's, uh, but Thor's the homeowner. Not a surprise. Uh, five and five this week, so still 16 games up, so we'll take it. Uh, only one losing week the, the whole year, and uh, 16 games up I feel pretty good about. So uh, check that out on uh, Thursday or Friday if you would, and that is going to wrap it up for us. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games, and we'll see you guys next week. Good luck, everybody.